welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 59, I am delighted to be joined by Monaghan senior footballer Desi Ward. On this episode, we discuss kicking practice, self-talk, college football, entrepreneurship, his online programs and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Desi, so I hope you get something from the episode. Hi Desi, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. How are you Orla? Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, before we get into everything, I have a lot of uh, listeners from different sporting backgrounds. Uh, would you be able to give a bit of a 30 second intro to listeners who might not know who you are? Yeah, so um, I'm Desi Ward. I'm part of the Monaghan GA football team and I play for Bally Bay Pierce Brothers here at my home club in, in County Monaghan. So um, we are, I'm a very GA based uh person i opened a gym in 2018 and a lot of what we do in our gym involves ga players with um obviously a lot of uh, different sports as well with the likes of soccer rugby um different sports coming in and out but our main base and our main client base would be ga players so um, okay. It's just a good combination from what I have done previously to bring it into into the my uh, my my life in the gym or my business as well. So, mm-hmm. growing up, um, who got you involved in in Gaelic football? What was the kind of influence there growing up? Yeah, well, I suppose my grandfather was uh, he was Desi Ward as well, and I he died the year I was born, so I was uh, named after him, and he played for. Um, Monaghan senior footballers as well he won oh, a junior All-Ireland title with Monaghan as well and the Stony All-Ireland title we we have um, well male, uh, male football wise but uh, he was he was obviously a big part of it just looking back through photos and old videos and stuff of him playing football with Monaghan and then also my father and his brothers all played for Ballybay and uh, my my dad and uh, Peter won, that's an uncle of mine, won a senior championship with Ballybay as well so it would obviously have been a fairly big influence but I suppose in general, like they wouldn't have pushed me to play football. It was sort of it was an interest born of my own love for watching Gaelic football, watching the likes of Kerry playing back in the. Um, they wouldn't have pushed me to play. They would have been a great support to me, but like that, it would have it would have all been born from just watching and um, hearing them talk about football and different things like that. Uh, what kind of player were you were you growing up maybe particularly at underage levels around the teenage years were you always kind of a standout star was or- uh, i don't know i don't think so now. you don't you weren't no uh, no well i probably would have worked hard like um i definitely i would have been lucky enough to have plenty of skill that i think i would have practiced a lot on like you know it, it, it's it's funny i talk about this in the in the gym with a lot of teams i have in at the moment you don't see a lot of children at the moment outside kicking ball around, kicking off the wall, kicking out in the garden, whatever it might be. Whenever I was younger, I would have been out in the garden 24-7. It would have been, it was war to be brought in. There'd be a fight with mom coming for dinner, like, you know. So that was sort of, that's just the way I was. I was lucky that I had a garden out the back. I was and a brother to play football with to go out and kick about for the whole day. So I was, I probably was skillful enough based on a lot of practice, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was a standout, a standout player, especially when it came to county minors and things like that. I remember coming home from even a couple of county minor league games and stuff nearly almost crying because I wasn't, I wasn't involved or wasn't getting playing. And it just, that sort of nearly pushed me to, you know, to work harder and try to get a place uh, in those teams. So I do think a lot of it was born from hard work mainly and probably a wee bit of luck as well. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I had gone back over your takeover with the backdoor GEA and you mentioned that underage you would have trained five or six times a week. That's including um, your own sessions or team sessions. What kind of things were you practicing at that time? And you kind of said there, motivation-wise, it would have been from those minor games where you came home and you were like, geez, I'm not getting a go here. But like, I, the only answer is to work harder th- and just get my spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I suppose the game's developing a lot now in recent times. I suppose a lot of it is, you know, 
athleticism, speed, that kind of thing is starting to take over a wee bit more now in Gaelic football. But um, whenever I was younger, it would have been just practice, practice, practice with left and right foot, left and right hand. Like I suppose the basic skills, it's unreal how um, the basic skills are sort of neglected lately. And I definitely found that whenever I was younger, that w- they were the things I was always working on. And I would comfortably say that I am comfortable off both hands and both feet at the, at the moment as well. And that was definitely down to what I would have done whenever I was younger out in the garden, out in the football field, like what is, it was literally torture for my ones um, having to collect me at the football field or drop me here, drop me there just to try and get practicing. So um, I think that's sort of, that's sort of where I would have picked a lot of it up. And um, yeah, I think that's just where I worked hard mostly was, was mm-hmm. um, the basic skills of the game. Do you think it's nearly too late? Do you think players maybe when they get to their early 20s mid 20s that if they don't put in the work at underage particularly on the you know both sides that it's a little bit too late for them to to pick it up yeah to an extent um i suppose as you get older you don't have the same time that you might have had when you were younger and you also mightn't have the same um you know like i know just myself body wise like i find that whenever i go and do a kicking session. My legs are heavy. I'm fairly, I'm fairly tired after just an hour of maybe kicking about or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Whereas when we were younger, it was just a matter of go out and you could play for the whole evening. And um, mm-hmm. I suppose as you get older, different things come into play with the likes of work and stuff like that. So I do feel like it's harder. Um, I don't think it's something that people should not do just because they haven't. You know, if you were getting yeah. into Gaelic football, absolutely practice uh, practice it as much as possible you're you're bound to improve if you're practicing enough but it is I just feel it is a wee bit harder as you get older to improve those skills it's even the confidence when you're older to be able to turn on to the other side and have that belief in I'm not going to completely miss this kick I'm going to actually execute it not even put it over the bar but just be able to execute it absolutely no a lot of it is as you say it is confidence and I actually have um there's a couple of uh, young girls that come into us for GA training and um like 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 that like they'd say to me no I can't use my left foot but that is definitely a thing that's just in in the back of their head we yeah. we've worked on it now over the last couple of weeks and absolutely they can they can use their left foot just purely based on a wee bit of practice again like like as I, I said you mightn't you might go from not being able to use it at all to being able to use it in some capacity and that's mm-hmm. definitely good enough for the likes of club football or you know even most most inter-county uh, teams if you're able to just get yourself out of trouble using your yeah. weak side then then at, at the minute that's definitely a massive part of it. Mm-hmm. Do you take players on specifically for GEA training outside of the gym kind of skills work and stuff? Yeah yeah Um. so it all depends like if literally we we were jack of all trades, probably masters of none, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's sort of the way we are. Like I would, if anybody wants help in any area of um, just any type of sport, even like there's even I had uh, different young fellas in for soccer training. Not mm-hmm. that I would have ever been any good at soccer, but I'd know the basic skills of it and some basic things and. Like that, like I'd like to think that we are fairly approachable and we we would help in any aspect that we can. So yeah, like that, like we take we take a lot of people for skill training. I suppose this time of the year it doesn't really help that yeah. there's not there's light is always against us. Uh, most people are either in school, college, or work, so it's very hard to get outside. But definitely in summertime we would we'd have a right few people coming out to us and we'd be practicing skill. I'm lucky enough that our gym is based in Ballybay. Pierce Brothers uh, Football Club and they give me full use of the of the whole ground so brilliant it's ideal for that as well what kind of skills are you kind of trying to help players develop you mentioned the basics is there anything in particular that you kind of run throughout the pitch sessions I know it would obviously vary depending on the the type of player and their ability exactly yeah and I suppose my my go-to is always especially with Gaelic football is trying to practice the weak side I don't know I'm probably like a broken record I literally all I want to do is get people better on their weak side and I suppose 
I just I just think it's a massive uh, thing for helping people get out of trouble like that. Like say if you're trapped in a corner, if you're able to hand pass out with your left or right hand or uh, mm-hmm. vice versa, it's it's a massive part of the game. So when I t- have most people, I would always that would be my go to to start off with, and then like that if they have a, a specific area they want to work on themselves, then that would be what we'd work on. But yeah, like just it is a matter of mass a mastering the basics. Like we go from everything to catching kicking even running it's unreal these days how many um just even kids can't can't uh, don't have the basics of running yeah and um, yeah. we, we did a testing session the other night i hope uh, the boys if they see this they'll be they'll be given out but we had a we had a team um it's our own club actually uh was in testing with us and the amount of lads that who are pretty fast but aren't running correctly and their speed is just slightly off because of that. But um, we spent literally an hour last night practicing just running technique for, and like I was like a broken record definitely last night. I was trying to do get them to re- repeat the same thing over and over and over again. They probably don't understand why I want to keep them doing that, but mm. whenever they get to my age, I suppose they'll really hopefully realize, or if they've stuck at it, that that, that is the reason why. Yeah, it's actually that's actually something I'm I'm working on at the moment is my running technique and it's just like it like you're kind of saying my coach is nearly like a broken record because it's just a habit I just have to nearly rewire the way I think about the running and my knee drive is a really big thing I'm working on but it's just having the confidence as well to to push the power through is it that is the habits is that just a big part now of football like I guess from from twenty years ago maybe players weren't as maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this, but maybe habits weren't as, as big of a thing, whereas now habits seem to be the, the biggest and nearly most important thing as a Gaelic footballer. Absolutely, it's a it's a massive part of it. Like I would find now, like even my own running technique, probably a few years ago, probably wouldn't have been as good as it it is now, or as good as it could be. It probably isn't even as good as it could be at the moment, mm-hmm. but it's like that. It's habit and repetition. So I would have said probably about three four years ago every time I do any sort of run or on my own or in a warm-up that I can think about my run technique that I will practice and practice and practice it whenever you go into a game obviously the last thing you're going to be thinking is right I need to be running I need to get my knees up here you're not going to think about those kind of things but if you've practiced it enough in the past that will come naturally to you as you're running or as you're getting into a high speed sprint. So um, like that, like it is definitely habit. It comes down to just repetition, 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 practice, practice, practice. So um, I definitely would have found over the last couple of years, just trying to in certain certain aspects of training. So let's say you're doing your warm up. Let's think about getting my knee drive right, getting the punch and action into the floor, getting that correct. And then also whenever you're doing a run in training that mightn't involve a ball, that's another great chance for you to work on that on that uh, technique. Mm-hmm. Is there any other reminders or triggers that you use across other areas of your game? Yeah. Um, suppose it's a few things that I would have worked with um, with a psychologist last year. Um, okay. I probably would have been one for being hard on myself if I missed a chance or if I made a mistake or something like that. It would probably, like, it would have been a thing that would have let it play in my mind. So um, it's actually something similar to what... Um, the All Blacks and uh, Dan Carter, if you listen to his podcast there recently with the High Performance Podcast, like he did, he uses a trigger which was just slap himself on the leg. So I had something similar to that, uh, where it was either fix me sock or um, just pick a piece of grass, throw it away, and say next but a next play or next next ball, and that would sort of just try to get your mind thinking about the next the next moment in the game so I suppose that's definitely an area that I had to work on was um the mental aspect of it and trying to refocus on the main what the, the job that's at hand as opposed to the mistake or something that has just gone behind me at the intercounty level um is is the game more physical or mental do you think um I suppose it's a bit of both, I suppose. Um, like obviously physically, it's a wee bit more demanding than club football because it is a seventy-minute match and it normally, which normally runs into about eighty minutes. Um, 
it's definitely more physically demanding and the speed of it is uh, quite a bit quite a bit higher but i definitely would say there's a massive uh, mental aspect to it as well you have to think your way through every game there's a lot of tactics there's you know I suppose, especially with us having Rory Began with us, you know, there's kickout calls. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that you need to be able to process. And if you're not tuned in to your role, you're just not going to be good enough to the team. So obviously, there is a there is a huge mental aspect, and it probably does outweigh the physical. Although you have to be in great physical shape to play Gaelic or Gaelic football at inter county level at the moment as well. How much responsibility? Um, is kind of given to players I suppose at the inter-county level like you even said there like the different kicking calls you do and even knowing your role on, on match day I know obviously that would vary depending on the game and who you're marking but coming back to you how much is that is down to you knowing everything and being able to kind of approach the management and say maybe ask them a question like I get the resp- I get the sense that a lot of the responsibility now is on the player maybe as a, a couple of years ago or even I think lockdown has accelerated that because you have to do running sessions by yourself yeah no well I definitely do think there's a massive onus on on the individual the like in fairness our management team is absolutely top class they will try to put everything on a plate for you for you to learn but if you don't go and learn the things that they're trying to put in place for you you're not going to you're not going to excel or you're not going to get your position on the team so definitely i find that like it's unbelievable the amount of work that you have to put uh put in away from the game and i just think that well i know myself if i didn't put in that work i would fall behind i wouldn't be at the same standard as the boys uh, that are on the team but I think that is a good thing that has come into um, the Monaghan setup over the last while is those standards like if you're not getting yourself to the standards you might as well not go to training because you know the majority if not everyone is putting in that work um, you know to be to be to be where they're at so um, definitely there's a huge onus on us as players and like that on the pitch it doesn't matter what the managers have said to you before or what they've given you uh, uh, given you previous like if you're not if you're not able to make your own decisions on the pitch either um, or as a team collectively if we can't do that together we're not going to perform to the best of our ability so like every every game is different it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if the, if, if Rory was given 10 kickout calls before the game like you mightn't use one of those kickouts during a game depending on how the other team is set up so it's all about adapting and just like that putting in the effort away from the pitch to make sure that you're you're ready to perform we've spoken a lot about kind of the hard work and the effort that goes into it how do you keep it fun for yourself because at the level of commitment there is now intercounty players wouldn't be there if they didn't enjoy it yeah well, <laughs> i suppose uh that's probably it's a, it is a big question like there is there is elements to it where I say to myself, where has the fun, where is the fun in this? But mm-hmm. I suppose whenever you get, like, I suppose I, I, one thing I do is I look back on what I wanted when I was younger. So every day I woke up as a, as a juvenile footballer, I'd look to likes of Paul Finley, um, Declan O'Sullivan and these boys and say that is, they're the type of people I want to be. Breaking into that setup, I or breaking into the modern setup, I knew that this was a, this was a massive opportunity to be like Paul or be like Declan. And I was always thinking to myself, I want I want to be I want to get up to that standard. But when you lose, there's a big part of you says, what? Why do I do this to myself? Why do I put in so much effort? But every time that settles down again, you go back to that uh, old way of thinking and saying. Do you know what? I want to get there again. I want I want to push myself to be as good as I can possibly be. And in that, there is a bit of fun in that yourself, you're challenging yourself. There's um there's mind games that go on with yourself all the time saying, Are you good enough to do this? Can I do this? But um all in all, like a lot of it comes down to our teammates too. Like you know, every single time we win a big game or even if we lose a game we're all in it together and every one of us join each other for maybe a couple of drinks after or whatever it might be. 
to relax and and come away from football as well and I think that's definitely a fun part of it for me that I have a lot of friends um within both teams Ballybay and and Monaghan and I can enjoy myself every time I meet those people so that's definitely the fun aspect for it for me. So when you're going through those tough hard running sessions that I presume will happen during pre-season are you reminding yourself of yourself as a juvenile saying this is what you wanted this is what you dreamt of and that's that seems to be kind of what keeps you going yeah definitely no I'll, I suppose there's definitely nights and even now even before pre-season so we're obviously going to be going back to Monaghan in a couple of weeks and even at the minute like I finished up a club about eight weeks ago and I tore my adductor so I've had to do a lot of work to get even back to getting back into the Monaghan setup in the next couple of weeks and yeah. in my head, every time I do a session or in, I'm in the gym or I'm trying to do my rehab, that's what's in your head is I need to get back to the level. I want to be back at the level that I was at maybe this time last year or in the middle of last year, making sure that I'm in a position to get myself on that team. Um, and obviously there is a lot of pressure. You put yourself under pressure in that. But I think whenever you are, whenever you have that in your head, like, you want it it makes you want it even more so um definitely it's it's something that i would always go back on is i'd remind myself of why i started and this is where where i want to finish up so um those things run through my head nearly every session Mm -hmm. i actually i wanted to ask you about the the kind of off season because i suppose the level that intercounty has gone to we've kind of spoken about it already it's basically professional commitment and professional kind of athletic commitment in terms of the gym and, and the running I don't I get the sense that even there is a def- now there will be a defined off season with the new fixtures and between the club that intercounty players don't really let themselves go anymore during the off season it's it's a continuous thing that they do by themselves yeah like I don't I don't think you can nearly give yourself the chance to to have um time off this was actually the first time ever I had a break and it was by default kind of because we I got injured before our club championship semi-final. So that was two weeks before that. So um, I obviously missed out on it. We lost that game. And then t- up until now, I've had about a month. Um, and if I stopped training completely, I don't know where I'd be. I, I don't know how I could face going back to train in the off-season. So obviously off-season is a very physical time it's a very very hard time to to or a very tough time on the body so if you know that and it's in the back of your head and you're coming into that with having done absolutely nothing for a month you're going to struggle massively so um i i highly doubt if there's too many at especially at the top level in intercounty football that let themselves go completely obviously weekends <laughs> weekends are a problem like um i found that this is my first time off in a month and nearly every weekend there's something on or there's friends looking to do something and it is it's great to go and do that but during the week you have to get back you have to put in whatever amount of hard yards it is for me it's rehab I have to get back to doing rehab almost every second day so um, you still always have that goal to to get back to that and that level so um, yeah I don't think at the intercounty level at the minute there's not too much stopping for for pre-season the intercounty game is so competitive now even picking a panel you know you've talent coming through a lot of the major counties it's just phenomenal to see how much is football down to kind of that self-belief and not being too focused on oh look he's coming good and he's doing well at training and you kind of start doubting yourself is is self-belief something that maybe you've had to work on at all or do you think it's really important with uh, particularly at the intercounty level yeah i definitely think self-belief is a massive thing um I suppose uh, that was always something that I probably might have struggled with up until recent years. Um, we we played uh, we played a lot of football between minors under twenty ones and seniors, and I was sort of coming into the senior panel when I was still on under twenty one panels and stuff like that. And I struggled. I, I saw a lot of players that were a long way ahead of me, and I was always saying. Jesus, this is, I, I don't think I'm going to get playing on this team, but that's whenever that, you know, work hard attitude comes in. Like you have to try and work to be get to that level physically first. And then you have to have the self-belief that your skill level will be good enough to get you onto the team. Um, 
probably like that, like mistakes and stuff like that is something that is is part of Gaelic football and not allowing yourself to allow those mistakes seep in on you completely because I, I would have seen a few very talented footballers over the last couple of years come into our panels and maybe things don't go well for them and they throw their hat at it then and don't come back or whatever or just say no I am not sticking with this I just don't think that that is the attitude, but like that, like it's it's having the self belief to to stay at it and know that if you work hard enough, eventually you'll work your way into the team. Like I I don't know how many years I spent sitting on the bench watching players that I probably believed I was I was better than, but I just maybe wasn't at the same physical standard as them, and that took the hard work to get to that stage. So. Um, it's combining the two, I'd say, uh, combining the self-belief and the, the hard work to get yourself to that level. Mm-hmm. You mentioned minor and under 21. Um, at the moment, there's kind of that argument to, to bring it back to under 18 and to under 21. What would your opinion be on the situation um, at the moment? I know your teammate Conor McManus has kind of spoken out about it and there's a couple of people online that they really want to get a change back. Yeah, well, personally, I, like... I suppose, obviously, the fact that we're not playing anymore doesn't affect us that much. But I would prefer to see it go back to under 18 and 21. Purely, well, I'm talking from a club perspective at here because we, we in Bally Bay, we, have, we wouldn't have another 20 team. Um, we just okay. wouldn't have the numbers to feel another 20 team at, at the minute anyway. And the gap for the 17-year-olds to break into our senior team it's just it's it's way it's way too much like it's it's far like even when i'm thinking back to what i was like at 18 trying to break into our senior team like it was a massive step up and i was that's a year ahead of what these lads are so i do believe there needs to be a wee bit more of you know a wee bit more football played between the age of 17 and 21 to uh, to move into a senior setup and um, the likes of the likes of the minor competition, at least it is your, you know, when you finish it, you are progressing to another 21 setup if you have it um, in your club. And again, that's a good stage for development into a senior team. And just at the minute, I feel like just players are a wee bit young coming into senior setups and probably interest levels start to die away if they're not getting playing or like if someone gets hurt from running into someone or whatever it might be, like I just do feel it is a wee bit too much of a gap. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a busy life stage as well, kind of moving to college. Um, can you talk us through a little bit about um, kind of school, kind of realising what you wanted to do? I know you went to DCU. Just talk through a little bit of that process. I have a lot of younger listeners maybe around um, sort of leaving certain age, college age, that kind of maybe sometimes find it hard to navigate that path a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, I say this and I get mom and dad give out to me every time I'm on a podcast or something I talk about how I wasn't very good in school and the truth of it was I, I wasn't good in school I, I like all I had interests on was playing football when I was back at that age but I knew based on um, playing football and that that it, it was a field or uh, that I would like to get into uh, which was, it was sport and uh, performance but Originally, I started off, I wanted to do PE teaching and um, I just, with my kind of minor football and stuff, I didn't, I didn't put in the effort um, enough to get enough points for, for PE teaching. So I went a backdoor route, which nearly every college has something that you can get yourself involved in. And I did, so I did education and training in DCU and um, from when I finished education and training, I was obviously um on the hunt for something new or getting possibly into PE teaching again and Niall Mina was uh, in DCU still is obviously when I was there and Mm -hmm. I he would have been my Sigerson manager and I chatted at length with him about what I wanted to get into and he could see that there was um a lot of interest in performance and um sport performance so he got me into uh, an exercise physiology master's which I completed for two years. And as soon as I finished it, I opened a gym in Bally Bay. So like it, it isn't exactly what I set out to do, but in a roundabout way, it's exactly 
what suits me. So like I, I found when I was in college, I did a lot of work in different places. Like I worked in a pub, I worked in a nightclub, I worked for Sean Bylan and Dunbine Herbs. I tried, I tried it all. Like there was, there was so many different things. I actually washed cars for a while too, but um, I knew, I knew based on working for, for people that working for someone or working even in the line of what it might be a PE teacher or whatever, it just wasn't going to be for me. I needed to be my own boss and Mm -hmm. sport and GEA was something that I was massively interested in. And even the, you know, exercise physiology end of things was massive interest to me as well. So moving out of that, into my own space in Bally Bay here, I just said I was going to make it work. I was told by copious amount of people that I wouldn't make it work, that there's Bally Bay is not big enough. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to do it. But um, with the help of Barry McBennett, a good friend of mine, we've, we've been able to make uh, breakthrough performance work in Bally Bay. And that's, that's uh, the way I, I moved through my path from school to school to college and into, into the work life. How do you balance then running your own business, um, particularly maybe during the initial stages, because there's a huge amount of work in that. And I know you'd, you mentioned there you'd, you'd someone involved with you, but trying to balance that in intercounty football, it must be sometimes very, very difficult. Yeah, it doesn't help that Barry's on the intercounty team as well. So, <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, it, to be honest, it, it is very difficult. Um, probably more difficult than uh, people would think, and especially even management teams and stuff as well. Like, I found last year was a, a very difficult time for us because there was just a lot of chop, chopping and changing with COVID and everything as well. Like I suppose even times of training were being changed an awful lot, which meant that like obviously with the owning a gym and most people want to come in to us from five o'clock yeah. to 10 o'clock at night. And yeah. chances are you're going to be training in Clahan at maybe half seven in the evening and that just takes away at least three hours of your of your night so mm-hmm. last year I found it very very difficult Um, again it was just about managing time and trying to accommodate everybody as best we can like I suppose we're lucky enough that we had a base of of customers and clients that sort of got to know us and knew that this was the way we are and a lot of them would have stayed by us even though we were changing and messing things about on them but yeah. it is a matter of just trying to get you know get a get a routine try to have a wee bit of you know a, a plan or a structure laid out from our own management team making sure that um, there won't be too much of a change and if there is going to be a change that there's plenty of um, notice for us so um we do make it work. Not that it's simple, but we we make it work. So we do. It's yeah. even it's hard to even put it to explain it. But um, we do get help from a couple of other people. We have a couple of friends as well that we can ask to to cover classes and cover things for us. So we are lucky mm-hmm. enough. Um, you mentioned there the the gym. Um, I think it was last year, maybe during the winter, you set up the online programs and you, you got high level internet intercounty footballers, male and female, to to kind of give online programs. What was the kind of thinking behind that and what was the reaction like to the programs? Because I kind of guess this is the first time this has kind of been done by senior elite intercounty footballers. Yeah, absolutely. No, well, um, I suppose it was just an idea born through um, through the COVID lockdown. I was saying to myself that I was getting out, I was doing a lot of training on the pitch myself, just on my own or with Barry. And I was thinking to myself a lot about what I wonder what younger players are doing at the moment or what other players are doing or that do they have a structure? And I also thought to myself, what would it have been like if I knew what Paul Finley was doing back in the day or what would have been like if I knew what Jim O'Connolly was doing to train? I would I'd do absolutely anything to see what, what kind of things they were doing to improve themselves. And that's where the idea was born it did take a long time to sort of get set up and running because of covid like i would have liked to have been able to meet up with every player Mm. uh, go through every video and you know on a one-to-one basis but um it did take a lot longer than expected and so it's only sort of starting to get up and running properly now so you'd see now coming into the off season a lot more sales are coming in on the programs because obviously people have a wee bit more time again 
but um no the lads and girls obviously have been brilliant like anything I sort of asked of them they, they give me they help me out um like that like it's hard to balance for them as well because they have so much going on in their own lives and their own training and different things like that but you know anything I asked of them they they would they would do it for me and they give a lot of tips and a lot of things uh, to help out and like that going forward I'd like to get meeting up with them a wee bit more and trying to get even more programs put in place like um I know you asked me a couple of times about the skills programs and yeah. you're dead right like they are things that I would absolutely love to get uh, put in place Um, we started recording for a few of them back in uh, summer so we have about three of them completed but Brilliant. I'd like to get I'd like to get sort of all of our players involved in that and you know try to take it from there because obviously people might know the Monaghan footballer where they might know the likes of a German O'Connor or Conor McKenna after winning the All-Ireland. So I know a lot of people would, well, personally, when I was younger, I would have looked up to players that were winning All-Irelands as opposed to maybe someone that is just breaking into a team. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Out of interest, you mentioned there the tips. Did you did you pick up anything from looking at the guys' videos and the other programmes? Was there anything you were like, geez, I'm going to try this or that's really clever? Yeah, well, just I suppose um, speed, like the some of the speed stuff the boys were sending me um, were a couple of things that I would have looked at and said, yeah, you know, I could I could work on things like that. Um, definitely, I suppose a lot of the stuff that we, we would have chatted with them were about were like I suppose they're probably not all in the field working in the field of um yeah. performance and I would have helped them out a lot with a couple of things like I mean I would have given them a lot of things to do and to talk through and stuff like that so a lot of it would have been uh, our own stuff but like that like there was a few things that I would have I would have picked up from them or even just the way they move some of them in some of the videos you'd see that it's probably different to the way I would move or stuff like that so yeah, yeah. you'd always pick up wee bits and pieces from the likes of those those people and I think um just I suppose not to try and sell our programs to you that I now but uh definitely I would find that it's 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 a good thing for any young GA player that aspires to be in at the top level look at these people because they're they're the ones that are performing at the top level I'll be sure to link the programs in, in the description box of the episode. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Dear McConnelly there, um, and on the takeover, you kind of named him as your toughest opponent. What made him so difficult to mark, and what do you think made him the elite player that he was? And I'm interested in your answer as you're marking him because from what I saw, it would be very different to maybe what you see on the pitch. Yeah, well, something that um I would have always noticed with Jim McConnelly was his composure, um. Something composure is probably something that doesn't get thrown around an awful lot, and like in intercounty football, it's such a massive part of the game. Um, Jim Connolly just seems like everything's at his ease, and it just looks like everything is easy to him. And I would, I don't, I don't know if he would agree with me, but just I feel like by looking at him, it just looks like pure composure. He's he's aware of what's around him. He's especially aware. He knows what's going on at all times. He's also extremely skillful off both sides. He's unbelievable off left and right foot. He's so balanced. Like I suppose when he's running at full tilt, he can solo off both feet and also withstand tackles while still running at at full speed. So I just do think uh, he was the toughest to mark or toughest player I or best player I've ever watched based on all of those things like it just seems like he is the ball on a string and no matter what he puts his mind to like he's going to he's going to achieve it or was going to achieve it back when he was playing so I was uh, would have loved him uh, see him play on another few years but unfortunately if he had done that Dublin definitely wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't have been stopped I don't think <laughs> oh yeah well, there are a couple of people listening now might disagree with you but yeah the, that was, it's interesting what you said about composure do you think that's down to his ability or do you think that's just something that he's do you know the way people are saying oh you're just born with this special talent do you think you can teach what he had or is it just kind of a once in a generation type of a player um yeah I probably don't think that what he has can be really taught I suppose a lot of it is natural and a lot of it is confidence in his own ability probably um he just oozes confidence and that might look 
like cockiness to some people, but he just knows he, he well, based on looking at him, I feel like he knows how comfortable he is or was playing. He he knows how good he was. He knew how good he could be and that it was just a matter of going out and expressing himself. And I suppose that's probably something that I would try to say to anyone uh, coming up or uh, like that is, uh, that is a good player or even that isn't a good player, just to go and express yourself and enjoy the game or try to enjoy it as much as you can. And make it not be a strain on yourself. Like I would have played a lot of games even in recent years and just got so uptight by wanting to win that I just wasn't performing or I wasn't um I wasn't composed and um confident in my own abilities. So all I was yeah. thinking of was the outcome. So um I do think uh Jim Connolly just has that that natural ability to to be composed and be confident in himself and I think it's something that'd be very, very hard to to teach people. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I've moved into coaching recently, and one of the biggest things I kind of realised, and I really overlooked and kind of dismissed as a player, was was body language. Is that something that you're conscious of, maybe on the pitch, um, kind of making sure you have positive body language, or is that something that maybe just comes naturally to you, or doesn't even cross your mind? No, I, I do think it is something that you should be aware of. Um, if you if you're if you're going through a game and all you do is sulk and you know like uh, there's there's players I've watched and uh, you know you just know that you you'd have them beat if they're sulking or throwing their hands or you know shaking their head or whatever it might be so yeah absolutely I would always say like try not to let your opponent know there's something wrong um, because I know if I see someone like that, I'm thinking I have I have the better of them here. So yeah. um, I do think positive body language is something that most people should be aware of. And if you're if you're not aware of that, you're sulking or you're doing something like that, then you need to become aware of it because it's not helping your performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, over lockdown, everyone was really concerned about their 5K times, the gym and missing kicking sessions but you actually set up your own pitch in your house can you talk us through a little bit of that yeah um that was a bit of crack as well uh, <laughs> but yeah there was just um at the time we didn't have uh Bally Bay football field was closed and I was saying what if are we meant to do like there's absolutely nothing for us to do unless yeah. like it, it literally brought me back to my childhood where I wanted to get out and play or do something and I wouldn't be a big man for sitting in the house or watching TV or playing PlayStation. I did do that over lockdown, but I was still in in my head. I wanted to get out and do stuff. So um, obviously our garden, although it was perfect for when we were younger, it definitely isn't. It wasn't big enough for for us now. Um, so myself and Matthew, my brother, took into making a football pitch, which was basically the size of... A, full-size pitch inside the 45 so say you're 45 into end line and the full width of the pitch and uh, we just for the crack we lined it out and I'd never expected it to ever go like I only put up on Instagram I don't think I've ever had I think it was on the news at one stage yeah (laughs) I didn't think I've ever had uh, more than maybe a couple of hundred likes on a post and then next thing it was going to the news so it wasn't definitely wasn't meant for that but um it was just for a bit of crack for our friends and stuff even to see what we were at but um it actually was brilliant like I found we got literally every single day I was up there with a bag of footballs kicking kicking and kicking and kicking and um, when restrictions started to come back a wee bit, we ended up getting uh, friends over and we'd play 3v3 matches, we'd play 5v5 matches. Whoever wanted to come, we just ended up playing football matches against each other. And it literally took you back to childhood. Like it was, although a lot of people would, would have hated every minute of lockdown at that time, I absolutely loved every minute of it. We were, we were doing stuff that you were doing, doing as a youngster. Do you still use the pitch or have you gone back to the No, the sheep have taken it over at the minute. Um, no, geez, you wouldn't even put a pair of boots on to go into it now. You'd need a pair of wellies. But uh, no, it is like it, the goalposts and all are still there, but uh, it'll take a bit of upkeep now to, to keep it to keep it right and yeah. trying to keep um, sheep and cattle off at the minute, at the minute wouldn't be the most simple thing to do. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, out of interest with the kicking, um, what particular kind of kicking practice would you do? Is there any particular structure or challenge that you would set yourself? Um, maybe just for the younger listeners that want to go out and kind of emulate what you're doing on the pitch. Yeah, well, um, there's a couple of things. So, well, in that, so in that full week GA program, we have a full kicking session in that, and in it, what we we're doing and it's what I did with a couple of the so um Caroline O'Hanlon came down and um Jane Drury came down as well. You probably see that on our Instagram and we did a kicking yeah. competition with each other, just a bit of crack or whatever. But they were the kind of things that we were doing to practice. So I would have had five cones out um at different so probably a five meter uh five meters away from each other right round the D and um just even out towards probably the the stanchion or do you know the outside of the catch net so that was sort of our arc and we'd take two shots from each of those right round and see what you get out so it's 10 shots and see what you get out of 10 then you'd repeat that with doing it on the move so it'd be two shots each side and seeing what you get on that so it's just trying to first of all work on your strike and making sure that you're kicking the ball correctly and then can you repeat that by doing it on the move then you take it into a wee bit more game like so you might get one-on-one with with your partner you'd have to beat them and try and pop it Mm -hmm. over from where that cone is off both feet and that also is working your a wee bit of skill in your defense as well. So you're trying to defend um, what way the person is going to go and that kind of thing. So that was sort of the way way we were working it. Even last week, I was saying to Barry, um, I was out on the field and I did my full rehab, a bit of running, just trying to get back at it. And because I can't use my right leg, I said, why not? Sure, might as well practice my left leg. And I took 50 shots on my left foot again about 25 of those or more probably 30 were standing and just like a free kick not that I ever think I will get a free kick on my left foot or it might be a thing if I if I ever took a mark at least I'd be confident enough to kick it off my left but you're probably never going I'm not really ever going to do that might be once in a blue moon you get to take a free kick with your left but I would bring in into a jog, just getting my strike. So I'd know based on that free kick, I can strike the ball comfortably from this part of my foot. And then about 20 shots or so were off uh, on a bit of a jog and just getting used to that uh, pattern of movement and kicking at the same time on, on the left foot. So definitely like, I would say if anybody has any injuries, you should always be able to work on something. It might be yeah. kicking, it might be in the gym or whatever, but you can always work on some part of your game. Mm-hmm. that's actually um when you were saying there about your leg it reminded me of a clip i have from bernard brogan um he was saying when he did his acl when he was about 20 he ended up kicking i think he did his right acl and then he ended up getting really really good on his left foot because because he couldn't kick with his right he would just practice all the time on his left yeah and I read, thinks that yeah, yeah i read his book and he talked about that and i thought it was such a such an important thing i think one of the things that i took from his was that he had a bag of balls of his own and yeah uh, he he would come out with that every day. So he knew that he had a bag of balls. So I actually went and bought eight footballs myself as soon as I saw that. We have about 16 balls of our own in Ballybay at all times, nearly for anybody to go and use. But just having your right. own balls means that if anybody else was using it, you can get out and you can go practice anywhere. Like if you mm-hmm. went, if you were down the country or something just for a few days, if you have a bag of balls in the back of the car, you can go out and uh, punt about or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great investment. Uh, final question before I move on to the sideline seven. Um, when you do retire eventually, not for not for a long time, don't worry, I'm not retiring you. Uh, what, type that player, <laughs> <laughs> what type of player do you want to be remembered for? Um, geez, that's a good question. Um, I suppose I'd like to be remembered for a good a good servant to both club and county. Um probably something that I've been working towards is trying to become a bit more of a leader um, for both club and county as well, like um, trying to get past that stage of, you know, just being, you know, always just wanting to get into the setup or getting into, you know, I've always been chasing to to get to a point uh, where now that I've gotten into the Monaghan setup and stuff, I should probably look at being like you see Dan Carter talking about being a great all black, you know, mm. eventually I'd like to become a great Monon player. 
I'd like to become a great Bally Bay player. And if 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 I can be seen as that, I think I would would be happy with with how my career would have finished. I suppose obviously we all want to win. We all want to to lift as much silverware as possible. But like that, if if I'm able to retire and say that I've given as much as possible to Monaghan and give as much as possible to to Bally Bay, I think that'd be a good way to finish my career. Brilliant. Great answer. Uh, I'm going to move on to the sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. Uh, question one, what is your favourite quote? Um, yeah, so I actually had a lot of these uh, running through my head, but one that sticks out was, uh, so I played football with Barry Kerr. I don't know if you know Barry, um, but Barry was... Uh, a good friend of mine and we went to DCU lived in DCU together and um, his his quote to me used to always be if you do as you've always done you'll get what you've always got and it was something that always stuck in my head if I was in a training session and I was starting to you know let things slip or let standards slip and say to myself oh I'm getting tired now I'd say to myself if you do if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always got so that would always sort of push me to do another wee bit so I'd like to th- uh, thank Barry Kerr for that one. Lovely that's a brilliant one um question to you best sporting event you've been to? Yeah that was another difficult one I've been to a very few different sports and that but I think always Looking back on all Ireland final day, like that is, you know, it's one that I just gives me goosebumps every time I walk into Crow Park on all Ireland final day. I just love the buzz. Um, you know, even I suppose now going to play against different teams, uh, you know, I obviously played against Tyrone and um it was hard to watch them going to play in the All Ireland final, but like that, like I went to the game because the All Ireland final will always be, you know, such a great occasion and um, as much as we are rivals with Tyrone, it was it was an unreal spectacle, and they put on an unbelievable performance. Like so, I just think it is one of the greatest occasions that you could ever go to. But to play in, uh, this was one that I was thinking about. The best, one of the best sporting occasions I've ever been involved in was the Sigerson Cup weekend. Um, absolutely unbelievable experience. So it was we played UCD in the semi final, and then went on to play in the final, and the final went extra time and it was just one of the best occasions, one of the best sporting um, memories I have was playing in that Sigerson Cup weekend. So, Very good. Um, out of interest, could you compare um, Sigerson to maybe the under 21 or senior intercounty level? Does it really fall in the middle of the two? How big of a jump is it yeah, from Sigerson to I'd say, uh, like I'd say Sigerson is just literally the exact same as intercounty nearly. Um, okay. The only difference is that it's played at a different time of year and um, the conditions aren't as good. And I think like if you played Sigerson Cup in the middle of summer, the way the intercounty game has been played, I think it's uh, I think it's almost the exact same purely because you have some of the best footballers in Ireland combined on a team to play some of the yeah. best footballers in Ireland on another team. It was just I honestly thought it was one of the one of the best couple of years of my life or GA career playing Sigerson football getting to play with Jeremy O'Connor Stephen O'Brien like Alton Harney these guys are all un- unbelievable footballers getting to play on the same team as them against some of the best footballers in Ireland as well so mm-hmm. um, definitely I would say that it's the same as um, Intercounty Senior and slightly ahead of under 21s so like under 21s just came a wee bit more natural probably um, it was a wee, small bit easier than than it and then Sigerson football is just um, every bit as uh, competitive as as the senior, senior level, yeah. football yeah mm-hmm. interesting yeah um, question three biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it yeah it was another one I thought about long and hard but I think this year was probably the biggest setback I've had in my career um, this year we lost Ulster final. Um, I had literally put life on hold for Monaghan this year. Like I like I said there last day, like I changed so many hours of work. Um, I put you know maybe put thousands behind me, thousands of euros behind me to try and commit to Monaghan. Uh, and losing that final was just heartbreak. So it was, and then. To try and recover from that, I, I came away from it saying, I, like, I don't know how I can come back to play a club football. 
but I got away on a break for um for a couple of days with my girlfriend and we we chilled out and I came back from that wanting to go at the club uh, club football again and I said right I have to knuckle down here and give this as much as possible then I turned around and tore my hamstring came back from that three weeks later after doing absolutely everything I could to tear my adductor and again like that like it just felt like this year was just the toughest year that I've ever went through uh, Gaelic football wise and especially whenever you put so much on the line for it to lose a final and to get injured twice in a club season where so much is expected of you and for the club I found that very very difficult but taking probably that month to reflect and month to do my rehab I suppose it's just I want it all again. Now, what you want to get back and you want to try and prove, prove things wrong, prove that we're good enough to win an Ulster title, please God, and prove that I can, you know, perform for the club again whenever that, whenever that day comes around again. So, um, it's probably just being mentally strong and just the want and drive to do as much as you can for for your team. Brilliant. Uh, question four: Your biggest achievement on or off the pitch? Uh, so my biggest achievements is probably my minor under 21 Ulster titles, um, my Sigerson Cup and then our senior club championship um, back in 2012. So they were definitely my biggest achievements on the pitch. Um, off the pitch was opening my own business. Um, it's definitely something I love seeing grow every day um although sometimes i can be ready to to close the doors and say i've had enough but it's definitely one of the biggest achievements off the pitch i think that it's it's progressing well and even though covid was thrown into the middle made life difficult for us but i do think that um we're doing well and hopefully there'll be bigger and better things to come in the future as well Mm -hmm. looking back what advice would you give your 18 year old self hey yeah it was a good one um Looking back, I would say, I would always say dream big and go for it. Like, um, I suppose I probably was always a wee bit reserved when I was coming into teams and not, you know, I was thinking about what other people thought of me and what, what managers thought and this, that and the other. But I would say just absolutely go for it. Don't hold back. Risk, take risks on and off the pitch. Like, um, I took a massive risk opening the gym in 2018. It's paid off. Why not? Just go for it. Go for everything you can for as long as you can, basically. So that's what I'd say to my 18-year-old self. Uh, who would be your dream dinner guest and why? And you can open up the table to a few people here. Yeah, well, I'd love... Uh, yeah, he's definitely, I well, probably won't see this, but Dan Carter, I'd love, absolutely love to um, have a dinner, uh, have dinner with him just to, just to see what he's about. Understand, like I was talking about composure there with, um, about Jeremy Connolly, like no better man in the world probably than Dan Carter to see, you know, to tell you about composure or, you know, mm-hmm. just even his, even his way of going on, like how, you know, chill the person he was, how much effort he put into everything. Like I probably see a lot of similarities in the way he is to the way I am. And I just love to chat with him to see, you know, what he's all about. And he seems like a pretty cool person as well. Mm-hmm. What would you have for dinner? What would be on the menu? <laughs> Thing, uh, this might go down too well with most, but uh, an Indian uh, would be my choice. <laughs> an Indian from uh, the Eastern Baltic and Monon's not not hard to, or wouldn't be wouldn't be beating my eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll see what we'll see what Dan thinks. <laughs> uh, final question before I let you go: If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? Yeah, um, I'd probably go make or break. So, okay. um, big part of big time, like obviously on and off the pitch. Um, like as I said, this was a very tough time coming out of this season. Was definitely the toughest season I've ever went through. Is it going to make me, or is it going to break me? I don't know. Um, work. COVID has come and gone. COVID's possibly coming back now. Is it going to make us as a gym? Is it going to break us? Um, I have a few new plans with trying to open open a new gym. Um, all going well. Um, a couple of other ideas that I have um coming to the table as well. So, um, 
definitely I would probably call this chapter in my life make or break so brilliant yeah sounds very busy look thank you so much for coming on I know you're really really busy as you as you just mentioned but best of luck with the business with football next year and thanks again for your time thanks very much Orla appreciate it a massive thank you to Desi for joining me on the podcast I thoroughly enjoyed our chat be sure to check out all of his GEA online programs which will be linked in the description box below if you did enjoy the episode and you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it does help the show grow. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter on the website, thesidelinelive.com for more. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. If you did enjoy the conversation or you did take something away from it, please do let me know over on Instagram or Twitter at The Sideline Live. And I'd really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it does help the show grow. Thanks as always for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.